So hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the More Than Just Code podcast. I'm joined by Aaron Vay of Innovative in Whitby, Ontario. Good evening. And I'm also joined by Jaime Lopez, uh, who works for OfferUp in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? And we're also joined by Mark Rubin in Los Angeles, California, once again. Hey, everybody. Okay, great. So um, for those of you who may not know, there was a big announcement from Apple today. They did their... their um, I guess annual iPad announcement. Uh, usually, when they roll out some new new stuff, and so uh, we're going to talk about uh, that for the first part of the show, and then we'll get into a few other issues uh, maybe later on. So, Aaron, do you want to take off on um, the, what happened in the Apple announcement today? Sure. Yeah, I wasn't there. That's the funny part. <laughs> the first Apple announcement that I've missed in many years. So. I watched it on replay on Apple's site. It's so great that they're posting that video online now, so right. soon after the event, thank goodness, because it allowed me to bring this information to you, dear listeners, all three of you. Cool. Cool. So what happened? Uh, pretty much exactly what we expected to have happen. Uh, Apple announced uh, new iPads. Mm-hmm. They announced uh, a new iMac with a retina display, and they announced that Yosemite would be launching today. Mm-hmm. And that's about it. Well, so, no, there, there was an announcement about some product coming out in, in November that affects our audience of three. <laughs> okay, give me a clue. What is it? Which one? Which one? It, it, it's, uh, I'm looking at my wrist and there's oh, nothing on oh, my wrist. There's nothing on your wrist. Watch, kid, it is. Coming in November. We are excited about that. That mm-hmm. was an oblique reference. It's easy to miss. It's yeah. a good thing I took notes. Yeah. Um, okay, well, let's start off at the top and say, you know, what, what we heard about. Um I found it really interesting, uh, sort of a parting from past uh, uh, experience. Tim Cook uh, explaining, you know, how great that uh, the iPhone 6 launch was. And unlike in previous years, he didn't use any numbers to talk about how great the iPhone launch was. He just sim- simply said that it was the biggest launch ever. Really? Yeah, yeah. That's true. Um, that there was just no no numbers to back it up. Like, we've heard numbers, like up to 20 million pre-orders in China, and we heard about the original, um, what was it, uh, 10 million orders over the first weekend uh, in right. the initial launch. Uh, but but Tim never mentioned numbers, just saying it was the biggest. And that's almost almost Amazonian uh, in, in aspect, I think, which was unfortunate, but uh, we'll have to take his word for it. Uh, we aren't usually called upon to do so, but this time they did. Hmm. Um, so we moved on to Apple Pay. He talked about all the banks that are supporting it, up to 500 banks now supporting uh, Apple Pay, which is going to launch on Monday in the U.S., whereas in Canada, of course, we'll just sit and watch. As well, we already have NFC, so we're okay. No, we're not okay, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> we're, not, we're not even close to okay. Until I can wave my phone at, a, at one of those NFC terminals, then Aaron don't care. Well, you don't think it's going to be six months of you waving your phone and people going, what are you doing? Yeah, pretty much. I want to get them ready, so I'm just going to wave my wrist and my phone at, at pretty much anything nearby as soon right. as I... Okay. So, have I paid? Yeah, good. I'm, I'm gone. I'm out. Bye. Yeah. It'll be six months of them looking on in awe and wonder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gather around, <Well>, children. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you about the time from before Apple Pay. We had yeah, there was this cash. guy... <laughs> <laughs> this guy came in and he was like waving his phone at me. I don't know. Madness, I tell you. Mm. Chaos in the streets. So, 
the, the I found it interesting when you know talking about Apple Pay. You know, we're we're still kind of getting our heads around it and exactly how it's going to work and what what Apple's role is in it exactly. So, yeah. um, so I found it interesting to talk about how how they um, described who they're partnering with. They're partnering, and they, they showed up on the screen icons, uh, logos rather, of American Express, Visa, and MasterCard. And he called them payment networks. Mm-hmm. You know, he put those logos on the screen and said, we've made partnerships with these payment networks. And then he said, we've also made partnerships with these big banks and all these, you know, big American banks on the screen. And we've also now made deals with all these other banks and, like, flurry of bank logos breeze by. You never actually see them. Too many. Up to 500 of them. So mm-hmm. they need they, to do this. They need to make deals with the, the credit card companies and with all these banks and with all these retailers they, that he went on to after that. So they've made a bunch of deals with retailers. And since we're our, rich, our initial announcement, we've made uh, deals with all of these other retailers. And he didn't – he showed more logos. It didn't seem like that many more logos, but, you know, a few. Mm-hmm. So to me, this is very peculiar because it's like – Apple to make Apple Pay work, they have to make deals with everybody in the food chain um, that that handles payments. Well, it took a long time for them to do the same thing with iTunes. They took remember it took forever for um, them to get all the record companies to sign on, and I think there were still a few bands that are holding out. A couple of country western stars, if I remember correctly. Uh, sure, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, but like that to, compared to Apple Pay, that seems dramatically simpler. You know, because they're only like. The big five record labels, right at the time, now yeah, it's like four. Yeah. But in this instance, Apple has to make deals with all kinds of different companies at all different points in this this hierarchy of of making payments. So it's weird to me. <laughs> so like, I, I just don't know how it's going to work or or how Apple Pay works exactly. Because mm-hmm. um, I was talking to someone today about it, and we're trying to make sense of where Apple fits in what we understand to be the payment world, right? right? Are they are they replacing any players in sort of the payment scheme or are they adding some, adding themselves as another layer? Well, I think I think that typical of the kind of stuff that Apple does when they introduce new technologies like this is is it's going to transform the way we pay for things. I mean, that's goes without saying, but but I I don't even think we can predict what how that what that's going to play out like because it's like Uber did with with ca- uh, cab fares. You know, Uber made it so simple to pay for for a cab and made it so simple for the cab driver to collect that you almost don't need the dispatchers anymore, right? Sure. Um, and that, of course, is annoying. All kinds of you know, New York City, you can't even use Uber. You have to use the the third party version. In Toronto, they're starting to talk about using the third party version because the Toronto cab companies are getting their their no knickers in a twist about it. Um, but that's a, that's a classic disruption, right? But that, that's what I'm talking about. So okay. I think Apple Pay is. I'm glad I own Apple stock because because, and I was thinking about this the other day. It seems that like you know when you think about the margins that Apple makes on most of their products, it's always really really small, right? Like it's like you, you'd think like it would be stuff that most companies wouldn't even think. Like five or ten percent of a profit on a, on a product would wouldn't seem like something you would want to get into. But when you have 20 million of these little tiny micro micro profits, they make a lot of money, right? So I think that Apple Pay is going to be, um, it, like I said, I don't think we can even understand how, how deep it's going to be. You know, it's like I've never used the one-click payment from Apple on the App Store or in, in iTunes or whatever, you know, but but I'm sure there, there are millions of people who trust Apple enough to do that, right? 
Um, so I, I think that Apple Pay and you know, and what's going to come of that, you know, because, you know, obviously the, the boys from Korea are going to get involved in this kind of thing. And the guys over in, is it Palo Alto where Google is, Mark? Uh, Mountain View, actually, right next Mountain to Mountain View, yeah. The boys in Mountain View are going to get involved in this as well, right? So I kind of yeah. see this as something like the Amazon One Click for Everything solution where you see something, you want it, you just mm-hmm. click that button and you got it. No hassle, no worry. I think that's... That's a pretty good point there. So is it back kind of to Aaron's two different points? So I, my understanding is that Apple is inserting itself as an additional party into this. So they're mm-hmm. they're bringing forth the um, the decreased risk, right? Because there's a, a better guarantee of who exactly is making this payment. Um, even with alternative methods, um, you could still have well, you know, but this person's passcode was one, two, three, four or zero, 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 or one, 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 or something yeah. similarly easy. Right. So the, the passcode yeah. isn't necessarily a great form of security or a way to identify who was making the payment. Um, yeah, so they, exactly. they, they add some, some risk uh, benefit there. Right. Mm-hmm. And then from the, the other part of how many different parties Apple had to go and, and show its finesse or flex its muscle, whatever the case may be, <laughs> like that's really difficult for anyone else to replicate right like google and and the android side with samsung like they all kind of have to agree to do stuff and that's really hard to do with these big multinational corporations right apple just you know went individually to or you know collectively to some set of folks it didn't have to be okay well google wants to do this yeah that's great samsung doesn't want to add 10 cents extra to its its phone or verizon is upset because it wants to be able to shut it off because it has its own isis slash soft card thing that it wants to do right Right. Nobody gets in the way of Apple in this case. So it's going to be really hard for anybody else to do this. Well, see, Apple, Apple's taken a lot of criticism for having a sort of a garden, walled garden of users, right? I mean, like, you know, first of all, walled garden in terms of the devices and, and how their users are not going to get, you know, people going in and, you know, hacking the phone to get it to do what they want to do, which is sort of common on the other platforms. And so what they're bringing to the table here is they're bringing, you know, uh, how many iPhones are there? 20 million, 200 million? I don't know what it is, right? Um, But let's say it's 200 million. They're bringing 200 million vetted accounts that are, you know, connected to a a visa payment system of some type and and totally like not any question about the person's identity at all, you know, because everything throughout in Apple's world is is a secure kind of... Uh, vetting of, of the clientele. Credit card fraud is a huge problem for companies, you know? Like, right. I can't tell you the number of times in my credit, my life, if my credit cards have been replaced because, you know, I get a call from the credit card company, were you buying gas in San Francisco this afternoon? No, of course I wasn't. You know, next thing I know, I've got a new credit card coming to me, right? Right. So, and, and just a minor clarification on the, the numbers there. So that sure. 20 million number is only relevant right now for in-person payments at a terminal, Right. Apple right. Pay as a you know digital payment system is applicable to something like 200 million devices out there. I forget exactly what Apple said at the right. iPhone event, oh, right? Because the, the yeah. 5S also has Touch ID, and while it may not have the NFC chip, so it can't do the in-person right. payment piece, it can still do Apple Pay for I don't know, you know, music subscription or something. Oh, really? Like, oh, okay. I thought I thought that the uh, Apple Pay thing was dependent on the NFC functionality only for only, retail only. purchase. Correct. Yeah, okay. so but I think like it's there's... only a matter of time before there's an SDK available, so everyone on their website can have a you know click here to to pay with Apple Pay button, just like with sure. Yeah, PayPal that exists. Right that will exist for apps, right? So you you in apps you can purchase using this. So that the 
the 5S will be able to do that. A great digression there on Apple Pay, and I thought that was interesting. So hmm. um, after that, he talked about WatchKit, and that was a brief mention. Uh, but for us, of course, I know we're more than just code, but we're also code. And yeah. <laughs> that was awesome. We're all very excited about that. We're going to learn a lot more about the Apple Watch uh, when that SDK comes out next month. Sure. So uh, I'm pretty excited about that. Though, you know, there's really not much to say about it at this point, unless you guys want something to say. Well, it's only two weeks away if you think about it. Potentially, well, right? yeah, or November 30th, whatever. Well, it was. It's better than it being this afternoon. Totally. Right? <laughs> yeah, I have other things to do. Exactly. Um, but yeah, very excited about WatchKit. I'm looking forward to checking that SDK out and seeing what we can do with it. Mm-hmm. Um. So this, the next thing, slide I think was really interesting, and uh, because it's it. It's kind of like FU, if you will, because it was about the iOS 8 install base. All right. Mm-hmm. You remember mm-hmm. this? Did you watch very, this? It was very carefully. Uh, I'm going to see how we, where you go with this because mm-hmm. I noticed it was very carefully um, played out. Yes. Right. Um, so I think it was Craig Federighi speaking at this point, was he? Yes. Um, talking about uh, adoption numbers for iOS 8 and how excited they are. 26 days after the availability of iOS, we're up to 46%. And he shows the pie chart. Uh, 46% iOS 8, um, 47 for iOS 7, and a little sliver for the earlier ones. And he goes on about how exciting that is. Well, and he, they dragged out the Android numbers. Yes. Because, they, cause, I mean, that's yeah. a tired old slide yeah. and a tired, tired old argument because they're trying to obviously deflect our attention away from something else. Something else. And the something else is that the adoption rates of iOS 8 have hit a hit a, a stumbling block. I mean, uh, we talked about this in last week's show and the week before. Um, you know, we were looking at that that chart that was you know it was it was it was kind of going on an uphill motion, and then all of a sudden, you know, the the bump with the uh, 801 update messing up people's phones, and there was something else which I've forgotten now. Um, but those two things sort the of five gig to, space limit, yeah, and the five gig requirement, yeah, they, it, to to install. Those kind of stalled the uh, the the growth of it, and I think that they were very careful about presenting the Android slide to deflect our attention away from the fact that it's not has been not been as successful as iOS seven was. Right. It's very but, peculiar because it's not really like Apple to kind of serve up a shit sandwich and and <laughs> call it call it chocolate, right? Yeah, yeah. Put um, some mayonnaise on it'll be fine. It'll be fine. This is great. <laughs> this is so good. Um, so I don't I know why sure. they bothered to even mention it. Yeah. I guess because it was just so expected. And because a lot of those same yeah. users who had a bad experience with iOS 8 a few weeks ago are now, they're hoping we'll download yeah. Yosemite very soon and uh, they might delay and hold off because of their previous bad experience if they're reminded of well, it. That's true. It's funny you say that because that was kind of the next topic was 8.1, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And I think he made as clear an admission as any that you'd get out of Apple that they've had complaints about iOS 8.0, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he says that, you know, you saw him kind of bashful on stage saying, and when you release a, an operating system with such magnitude to a lot of people, you get feedback. Right. <laughs> and <laughs> this feedback is what has prompted us to ship iOS 8.1, and it's coming on Monday, a mere month after 8.0 shipped, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, the clear message, I mean, he only talked about the features that are coming in 8.1, but... I think it can go without saying that there's a lot of bug fixes in there, too. And I think that Apple's probably done a lot more regression testing this time than they did last time. I sure hope so. <laughs> <laughs> but mm-hmm. I, I think that was really telling. Um, 
and funny that it comes right on the heels of that install base slide. You know, it's they're not saying that they're not happy with those install base numbers. They ought to be unhappy. But um, to fix that, hopefully, here's 8.1. And to have it come with actual features like iCloud Drive in beta now, um, and yeah, to be marketing that is is an in- inducement to have people install iOS 8. If you're still sitting on the fence on iOS 7, then here's more features, more reason to update to iOS 8. And, you know, wait till Monday then, and you're, you're going to get the full meal deal. And just on an interjection here on the iCloud thing, um, I, I mentioned to some of you last week that uh, in, on Twitter or whatever that I had installed Yosemite on one of my uh, one of my Macs here, and I was surprised to find that as soon as it installed installed it, it started setting up iCloud Drive. You know, so I immediately logged into my in and basically told it to stop, right? Because I'm still supporting Macs uh, that don't have. Um, Yosemite on them, right? As well as I don't have iCloud Drive enabled on my devices yet. Um, and yet, I, two hours ago, or sort of eight o'clock today, I, yeah, two and a half hours ago, I installed Yosemite on my main Mac, and it is still setting up iCloud Drive as we speak. Wow. Yeah. And and I didn't even get a choice. There was no, you know, do you want to do this? You know, do you know? So what's it doing? Is it just uploading all your data? I have no idea. I, I'm, you know, I may not have anything to do for the next while and lose all my contacts. Who knows? But <laughs> <laughs> thankfully, I have a backup. So, yeah. So bizarre. back to the numbers there. So <clears throat> I think they were kind of caught in a no-win situation, right? Like we we know that iOS eight take up or uptake has not been as good as iOS seven. Um, <clears throat> but as an aside, like iOS seven was insanely good. In terms of like, that's not a realistic number to to always get better than, um, no matter what the case. And clearly, no. Apple made you know multiple engineering mistakes um, with iOS eight in terms of just making it not physically possible to to install for a, a very large percentage of devices. But there's Ooh, another right that that's sort of more optimistic way to look at uh, at them not talking about the numbers, uh, the number of iPhones sold in the at the beginning. Uh, it may be that they just don't want to set the expectation that high for next time. Uh, since since this, if this if the numbers were this high, as high this time as we think they were, it'll be pretty hard for them to ever do that again. And just from a business and you know stock market point of view, uh, it makes sense for them not to to try to set expectations too high. Well, and that being said, I mean the, one of the things we've criticized them for is is by trying to play the numbers game with people. I mean that's not. People don't go to Apple because they sell 20 million phones. They go to Apple because they sell a phone that works, right? Or or is ease of use and that kind of stuff. And in that article I sent you guys, um, a, a, the video comparing the Galaxy Note 4 compared to the iPhone 6 Plus, there was a video I sent you guys yesterday that was really insightful from the point of view that, that the guy was sort of saying, if you want to, if you're the kind of one who gets in there and wants to tinker around with stuff, then you know, the, the Samsung Android experience is totally for you. But if you want a phone that just does what it promises to do, you go with the Apple product, right? And that kind of sort of is where Apple Apple has sort of plays best. And, and this whole sort of, you know, comparison of megahertz and gigahertz and, you know, that kind of stuff doesn't really suit the kind of experience. That's not why people buy Apple products, right? 
I mean, at least I don't think they do. I don't think they, I don't think you, I mean, you, you're glad it's got a good processor and fast RAM and stuff like that and great displays and things, but they don't go into sort of the, the minutiae that other, other companies do when they're talking about their product, right? Right. And, and I think with regard to the, the iPhone numbers, uh, I think I agree with m- where Mark was going with it because they clearly have sold beyond anyone's wildest expectations. Yeah. Um, and I think unlike Amazon, who doesn't give precise numbers in order to hide their lack of success, mm-hmm. I think in this case, uh, with what I think Mark was saying was Apple's slightly hiding its success because you don't want investors to say, oh, yeah, well, okay, well, next year they'll sell 40 million. It's like, no, right, <laughs> that's not right. reasonable, right? Well, they could have also consciously been underplaying the iPhone um, launch because they were they were about to announce a couple of really cool iPad products, presumably, right, at mm. that point in, in the conference. And for sure the numbers for the iPad won't be anywhere close to what they are for the iPhone. No, and that's been that's been a discussion point for a while. Is that is that the iPad it, it, people are considering that the iPad is sinking in terms of its in terms of its popularity. It still is like I think he mentioned he did throw out a number. Did you guess the number, Aaron? Yeah, two hundred twenty five million iPads sold. Yeah, so and I mean, notably, yeah. uh, when he used those numbers, he didn't compare them to previous iPads or to other vendors' tablets. He was comparing them to PC sales from other vendors. Really? Hmm. Yeah. So he showed a chart of uh, like other vendors, Dell, HP, um, well, whoever the hell it's Acer, perhaps. I don't remember. But mm-hmm. uh, a bar chart of, of their last quarter sales. And iPad sold significantly more than all of them. But do you think that was a spin against the latest Surface commercials where they've been taking Surface been trying to take on the MacBook Air? No, I don't think Tim Cook even cares about the Surface. <laughs> or, or are they trying to position the iPad against uh, against uh, PCs for you know some future product that might actually really? That's exactly what I'm getting at. Yeah. Yeah, 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 like that's exactly what they're doing. Cause, you know, think of Apple's partnership with IBM, right? Mm-hmm. Like they they are look they are gunning for the enterprise and. If you look at the, those PC vendors, HP, Dell, and um, I don't know about Acer, but you know, for the majority of PCs that are made and sold are sold to businesses, right? And mm-hmm. iPad is gunning for those businesses. Hmm. So uh, I think it's it's a it was a very clear uh, signal to me that they are looking at enterprise and looking to take advantage of their partnership with IBM. Hmm. Um, okay. Um, so that leads us to the new iPad. Yeah, the, the new iPad Air. Um, I, it's just, it boggles my mind. Like so many things about this announcement, uh, the iPad announcement, uh, boggle my mind. <laughs> but uh, I'll start with the thinness. Mm-hmm. Um, so they made it thinner than the iPad Air. It is, I don't know, like 20% thinner. It, it's, no, not that much, but... It's a pencil shaving thinner. Yeah, exactly. They show that little commercial. So uh, just to be spec, uh, not spec free, uh, 7.5 millimeters thick was mm-hmm. the iPad Air, and the iPad Air 2 is 6.1 millimeters mm-hmm. thick. So they shaved off 1.4 millimeters, um, which is significant. Uh, but, you know, for what? I mean, how much thinner do these things have to get? Uh, I just don't get this. It's yeah, crazy. I can't see that. I don't understand why that's a feature. To yeah. them, it is. And, and it's yeah. always been that way. You know, like this is mm. Apple through and through. They always want to make their stuff thinner. And, you know, I, I'm on board with that typically. But but now in 2014, uh, when, I've, when I have an iPad Air, which I love, 
mm-hmm. and I'm holding it in my hand, the last thing I'm thinking to myself is, how can they make this thing thinner? Mm-hmm. Um, and yet they went and did it, and you know, good for them. I guess I, 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 I won't. I, I'm not going to get too critical about that until they hold it in my hand and maybe realize that thinner is in fact better. But I'm suspicious, and I'm just wondering. Let's project ahead 20 years, okay? Mm-hmm. How thin is the iPad going to be? Well, it's going to be a piece of paper. <laughs> right. right. Like that's where we're heading, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna maybe be a contrarian. You get down to that. Okay, Jaime <laughs> wants to be a contrarian. Hey, I want to be a contrarian here. Like I think, hit me. Uh, it, it, from an engineering <laughs> trade-off perspective, if they can get the same or better battery life in a thinner package, um, and they didn't, you know, it doesn't bend in half or something crazy, right? Let's Not so <laughs> bring loud. it back Benghazi there. Like, <laughs> it, if it's like a solid piece of transparent aluminum or something, mm. right? Like, I Easy absolutely there, want something that's like, you know, a uh, a stock card, a trading card sort of thing, um, because it's much easier to hold, right? I can hold pieces of paper. Maybe darn something that rolls up. Right, right, right. Or, or it takes on that aspect. Well, that would be great if it were if it were that thin. Uh, it, we're not there yet, and maybe this is just a necessary thing that you have to do to get to that thickness or thinness. Mm. Um, mm. That's fine. Uh, but i'm not that impressed you know i would much rather it be uh, a focus on weight if anything I, I i'd rather they were obsessed about making it lighter than they were about making it thinner mm. well I, I suppose no. doesn't that come with doesn't it or it actually is it uh, is just a hair thinner yes it's no uh, in terms of weight i mean like isn't, yeah, isn't similar sorry. weight already right it is lighter um the wi-fi model 469 grams for the ipad air 2 437 for the Ah, I'm sorry, the other way around. The original Air 469, the Air 2 437. Mm-hmm. I, I doubt that you'll notice that in your hand. Right. Well, and the thing that the thing that I've been looking forward to, I mean, I still, like I said, I still have an iPad 1, iPad Mini 1 here. Um, and, you know, I've been waiting for Touch ID, right? And and yet they came out with an iPad 3, Mini 3, and yet they didn't even give it a... Did they give it a full sentence of an introduction or... They make, oh. gave it about eight seconds on the video. Um, yeah, on the was, video. Oh, because yeah. nobody actually spoke about it in the in the presentation, right? Yeah, they did. Yeah, okay. it was just a very brief mention. Uh, he spent quite a bit of time talking about the iPad Air two. Yeah, um, and the the chip is is faster. The A eight X, which comes with significant more graphical oomph. Mm. Um, talked about the camera, um, how much uh, better that is at taking pictures. It has. It seems to have many of the capabilities, if not all of them, that the iPad, iPhone six has. Um, which is great. I mean, they've, they've finally realized or come to appreciate that people use the iPad to take photographs. Mm. And it was really interesting, actually, how they demonstrated that people use the camera in the iPad alongside apps. And he provided a number of examples of apps that use the camera um, to scan things, to yeah. translate things, to capture items for storage and other ways. You know, not conventional photographs. You know, not portraits uh, or or landscape shots, but things to do with apps, which is a very different approach than what uh, how they talk about the iPhone camera, mm-hmm. which is like a snapshot device. Uh, mm-hmm. So I thought that was really interesting. But then when he finished with the iPad Air 2, he said, oh, yeah, there's an iPad Mini 3, and um, it has pretty much none of the features that we just talked about. Uh, mm-hmm. It's got the same CPU. It has the same uh, M7 as it did before. Um, it's got Touch ID though, and you can buy it for four thirty nine or four 
whatever. Sorry, three ninety nine, I guess, to the price in U.S. Um, yeah, four fifty nine here in Canada. Oh, my bad. I'm looking at the wrong angle. Four fifty nine, <laughs> three ninety nine, whatever. The fact is, is that it's cheaper and it's the same price that the Mini Two was, or what is now known as the Mini Two. But here's mm. the crazy thing: every iPad Mini ever made by Apple is still available today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you've got the original non-retina iPad Mini running at an A5 CPU, right? And woe betide a developer who cares about performance and is looking at having to continue to support that. Then um, the Mini Two, which was formerly the iPad Mini with Retina display, is now available, uh, still available rather, and now the new iPad Mini Three, and you've got now five separate iPad models available for purchase. So. Pretty much an iPad at every price range. I'm looking at in Canadian dollars here, 279 for the walk-in original iPad Mini model, mm-hmm. all the way up to 899 Canadian for the 128 gig Wi-Fi cellular iPad Air 2. <laughs> so there's there's an iPad for every price. You know, which iPad do you want? How much money do you have? <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but it's to me, it's flabbergasting that they've done this. Well, considering when they, what they do with the phones is they get rid of the older phones, and you know even with the Macs, they, they, they you know, and in the past they didn't they didn't flog all these iPads because now it's just going to confuse the hell out of consumers when they go in to pick which one am I going to pick and what's the difference between Touch ID and Retina display and the, you know like it's going to just cloud the whole issue. People are either going to go in and buy the iPad t- Air two or they're going to be totally confused as to what they're going to buy, right? Yeah, you throw up yeah. your hands and walk out of the store. I don't know. I, it just seems yeah. crazy to me how you how you choose between these. If I were recommending an iPad to someone today, mm-hmm. um, uh, I, I might angle them. Like if if I could separate them between people interested in the Air and the Mini. Yeah. So say okay, I know a Mini is going to be fine for you. Yeah. Then I'd probably angle them towards the Mini too. Really? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what's what's the benefit of the Mini Three? Like, there's there's not much. It's got the motion chip. Uh, so does the Mini 2, yeah. Does it? Yeah. The, the only discernible difference that I can see between these is the Touch ID. And and the and the 64 gig, 128 gig config, right? Uh, you're right, yes. So you can get the uh, 16, 64, and 128 memory on the 3, yeah. and the 2 is 16 and 32. <sighs> I just, I uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> Don't forget say, about the gold paint. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> only available on the iPad Air two and the iPad Mini three, folks. Exactly. I don't, I don't get it. I don't. I don't see the appeal of gold, but apparently you know, a lot of people like it. You know, they must, or else they wouldn't offer it. So I'm waiting yeah. for the solid gold iPad for ten thousand dollars. I'm going to buy that. Mm. One. Yeah, Are you yeah. going to buy that one, Mark? <laughs> that'll, that'll be the anniversary version. The edition, <laughs> iPad edition. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So oh, it doesn't even have a barometer. What the hell? No, nothing. Just the iPad Air two has that. Yeah, Man. and someone, uh, I think it was M.G. Siegler, quipped on Twitter today that, uh, you know, don't feel bad about the iPad Mini 3 being sort of a cut-rate iPad. Uh, Apple's already introduced their iPad Mini. It's the iPhone 6 Plus. Well, yeah, of which I already have, exactly. Hmm. So I worry that they're going to cannibalize their higher-end sales. Because uh, when there was, say, a, a, a 3... Three models, uh, you know, low, medium, and high. A lot of people will just will buy the high end one because they want the higher end one. But but now that there are five, you'll have a lot of people saying, "Well, I'd like the a higher end one, but I don't necessarily need the highest end one. So I'll get the four instead of the five. So they'll lose a, a few of their of their uh, higher end sales. 
Yeah. They're pretty clever with pricing, uh, but this one just kind of it, it kind of irks me a bit. And of yeah. course the, the, the memory situation irks me to no end. Uh, all of them oh, intro the sixteen at, gig. At 16. We should almost we should almost have a moratorium on, on discussing sixteen gig devices. They're just r- ridiculous. Right. And if anybody says to you, Well, how much is an iPad? and you know, you cannot use the base model answer because it's an yeah. insult. Um, you know, yeah. I would never suggest anyone get a 16 gig model of anything. Well, we were joking with the Ray Wonderlick crew this afternoon, at least I was, that, that they should call the 16 gig version the developer version because who else is going to really benefit from that, right? Yeah. yeah. And a lot of people are going to buy it. Unfortunately, yeah. You Hold know. on to your 1X assets, folks. This iPad mini's non-retina. Yeah, uh, that's right. That's right. Mm, mm. So, yeah, I'm a little upset about that. Um, <laughs> uh, there were a couple of uh, really interesting announcements uh, around that. Uh, for the first time ever, actually, I think I, I was really excited by a demo done during the event. Yeah. Uh, I see Pixelmator for iPad is coming, and uh, mm-hmm. that that looks really interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to checking that one out when it comes. Mm-hmm. I do have a bone to pick with the second demo, though. What was it called? Um... Replay. Replay. Here's my bone to pick with this. Okay, so it's a really cool app. They totally they they could have sold tons of them today, right? And I even went to the app store during the during the announcement to look at this particular product. I thought this is really cool. Could, you know, see lots of functionality with this. You know, easy movie making for everybody, right? It's free. Oh, good, it's free. And then when I went in to look at the in-app purchases, the first in-app purchase is to remove their watermark for a dollar ninety-nine. Oh, really? That to me, that's criminal. Is it? Well, it is. I mean, like, wh- why? Why say the thing is free? Why don't you? Is this the way that we're going to do demos from now on? Since Apple won't let us do demos in the App Store, we're going to do crap like this, where we have we have apps on the store that are free, and then yet to really get the functionality out of them that you want, you're going to have to pay about two dollar ninety nine, but get hoodwinked into the in app purchase. Hey, don't hate the player. Hate the game, bro. No, I know. That's what I'm saying. Like the, the, the problem is, is is that they've created a race to the bottom, and now everybody's racing for the same bottom. Yeah, I'm looking at their in-app purchases. They've got, uh, looks like a lot of effects and themes yeah. that you can buy, which, you know, are cool. Okay. They remove watermark, $2, yeah. and everything, $10. Yeah. You know, there is a time, of course, when we would have regarded a $10 app that does what Replay does as a miracle. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, yeah, totally. Like, like your your advice on buying Transmit two weeks ago and then Prompt this week. I mean, I I can't tell you the number of servers I've gone into on my iPad six or, or sorry, my iPad six. There you go. I my see what iPhone, you did there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It wasn't intentional. My iPhone. What the hell is it? Uh, iPhone six plus. I've actually been using Prompt to to manage servers this week, right? And that was that to me is worth ten bucks easily. Sure. Right. Sorry to sure to, to make your point. Yeah, well, I think that's where it's at. It's just, you know, uh, I hate what's happening here. I hate that that these guys are having to sell their app for free, but, you know, really it's $10. Mm. Um, or even $2, yeah. Right. You know, okay, minimum $2, right, if you really mm-hmm. actually intend to use the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but even even with the, the bare hope that, that some percentage of their customers are going to spend $10, they're not going to make a living doing that kind of sales. It's just, um, yeah, it's just sad. But, you know, it's not news either. No, that's not new. People have been doing this for years. Yes, for years no, but, and years. But it's endemic of, of, the, of the situation, and we'll talk about the Mac store in a, in a little bit too. Yeah, but, actually, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I'm almost done here. <laughs> um, the, I just want to talk about the last thing, the, I, the iMac 
uh, with there was one other thing, but we'll skip past that. Go ahead. I did skip past one thing. Yeah, it's true. That's all right. That's all right. iMac 5K display. I would love to see this baby in person. I'm looking forward to. Well, this is this is tweeted to Mark earlier today that that they they skipped the 4K display and went right to five. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's um, uh, yeah, but still no standalone display. I'm really disappointed yeah. about that. I'm hoping for a, a replacement for the Thunderbolt display. I was kind of wondering, but yeah, because the same the Thunderbolt display isn't isn't like a four or five K device. But then I was wondering, is that because of the graphics processor in this new uh, Mac iMac Retina? I think it's because well, I think there's a couple reasons at least, but I'll, I'll posit two that I believe are responsible for this. Okay. The first is. They they created a custom timing controller, the Timcom, the Ticom. Mm. Did you mm. hear them? God, all the jargon they threw when they were talking about this display, it was blowing my mind. Uh, <laughs> I didn't understand half what they were talking about, but they mentioned this 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 timing controller in particular, custom uh-huh. chip. Um, so that's what makes it possible to to r- drive this display apparently. Um, right. But the other thing that we've been hearing about for some time now is the uh, the bus that it takes to push this kind of video. Uh, you, you can't push this over Thunderbolt 2, even. Uh, Thunderbolt 2 carries 20 gigabit per second uh, data, but to drive a 5K display, you need to go up to, like, 25 or 30 gigabit per second. Oh, okay, right. Um, so the, this, the bus doesn't exist to support this as an external display yet. And mm. uh, as we saw, the iPad, iMac comes with thunderbolt 2 uh but not thunderbolt 3 which is kind of in the works and will support that kind of bandwidth mm. but i think we have to wait for that to come but so this means that the high-powered mac pro can't drive any external display that's 5k well no there there actually is there actually is i was looking on the uh, on the op, on the apple store today online there is a 4k display from some other third-party manufacturer I mean, it, that's obviously there for the Mac Pro, right? Uh, sure, right. but it's, but it's really surprising because when this thing first came out, they made such a big deal out of the fact that it could drive a 3K display, uh, and you know the Thunderbolt display. You know, I've been waiting for an update on that for for two and a half years yeah. now. They still haven't haven't come out with it. Now there was a there was a time when a 27 inch iMac could be used as an external display for another Mac. Is that not the capability of it anymore? Or I was wondering about that myself. Yeah. I, I would, given the answer, uh, the reason I was just talking about, I would think not. Like mm-hmm. you could probably use it, but maybe in a lower resolution mode or something. Or, right. Uh, that's the sort of thing that we're going to find out in the days to come. Yeah, I don't. See, I'm looking at the ports on the back of their tech page. I don't see any. I don't see the the connection that used to be there. I think it was like an HDMI in or something like that. Or I think you could have uh, used a Thunderbolt port, right, or a Display port as an input. Yeah, you can like when you have the um, the iMac, you could like with your say macbook pro uh plug a display port cable in between yeah. or a thunderbolt cable in between your mac and the imac yeah and then drive that imac as a display from your macbook yeah, pro but that that mac i'm talking about the 20 the 20 it was the first first or second generation 27 inch imac that was like five years ago or more you know so. sure so i'm a little confused because i i was at a conference today uh, <laughs> shout out to coco Conf. So i didn't see any of the the videos here just kind of trying to catch up on the news did they explain what the whole 5k thing is about like why is it not 4k and the the number is an odd number yeah it's more than 5,000 pixels no sure yes. i get that but like did they explain oh yeah because like it's like not a week it's a weird multiple is what i'm getting at and actually right? it, it, it was it was actually more than it was there was something in the in the in the announcement about it being more 
more capable than a standard 4K display. I can't remember what that, what that was. Did you catch that, Aaron, at all? No. Well, they compared it to a 4K display, and yeah. it's got like 67% more pixels than that. Yeah. Um, it's. I think it's a true retina display. Um, Possibly, In the yeah. sense that um, it's, it's 4X. Yeah, the, it's 5,120 by 2,280. Sorry. There you go. Got Two, it. 2,880. Yeah, thank you. 2,880, yeah. That's my right. dyslexia. Sorry. Yeah, so that's... Um, <laughs> it, is, it is 4X, uh, the standard... Oh, here uh, it is. I found it, uh, the HD apparently is 2 million pixels. Uh, 4K is 8.8 million pixels. And this is 14.7 million pixels. That's on the first page of the... Retina. Many pixels. Many, many, many pixels. Such yeah. pixels. But still only 24,000 colors, right? I'm kidding. Oh, man, I'm, kidding. I'm really disappointed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, eight-bit color. Your your 1983 Nintendo will, will look awesome on it. Remember the con- remember the controversy about the 16 16-bit color displays that uh, on the I think it was on the uh, PowerBook G4s. There was a there was because you know you remember they used to talk about millions of colors and then they then they had this they they dumbed it down a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And there was a big there was like a, a class action lawsuit in the states about it. And, yeah, classic. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, I mean, it's it's a really nice display. <laughs> I mean, I'm looking at the the iMac with Retina on Apple.com. They show the comparison between 1080p HD, 4K, and 5K, and it is huge. It, it, mm. It's enormous, and I wonder if it's finally big enough to have the iPhone 6 Plus simulator at complete size oh, oh, without oh. having to resort to Tim's little trick of turning your monitor sideways. I'll bet you. I'll bet you. This would be a fine machine if it weren't chained to a desk, you know? No, well, wait. Chain to it. Oh, chain to it. You, you obviously haven't seen the people at Starbucks with the IMAX. Oh my God! But apparently, they don't do that, that over there. Well, I, I've seen pictures, but never in person. Oh, people no. take their IMAX to Starbucks. Sure, I've seen yeah. that. Wow. Or not in person, mind, but <laughs> that's awful. <laughs> uh, well, I was having uh, a discussion with a lady this afternoon who was who was lamenting the fact that there was no 17-inch uh, Ma- MacBook anymore. Mm. And uh, I was trying to explain to her that you, you really don't want to go there because they're like three years old now. Yeah. Anyway. I, I used to have one of those. I, I loved it, actually. I, I really uh, wanted them to come up with a 17-inch version, uh, a newer one. But, really? uh, but now I've completely changed. Now I use a 15-inch MacBook Pro with a Thunderbolt display and, and have completely been converted. It's, it's much better. Well, because of the portability of uh, like the fact you can have a big desktop and then you can shut it down and go exactly. to a mobile. That's exactly what I do all the time. Yeah, yeah that's that's what worlds. I do. It's the best of both worlds. Yeah. If only the desktop bound display were retina, right? <laughs> that's what we're waiting for. Well, this is what this is where Mark was going with that whole thing, is that the yeah. fact that they're that so close but you know Yeah, as as much as I love the iMac I don't want an iMac. I want to have my laptop exactly. and a, a, a beautiful display that I can plug it into so I can unplug That's exactly and, and right. move around That's exactly whatever right. I need to. I mean, who's going to buy this anymore? People, you know, I think of people who have iMacs or desktop computers um, as people that don't really take computing that seriously because they, they will only do it in one place. So, so I have a question uh, as we wrap up this section here. Is, so the, the catchphrase for this announcement was it's been, it has been way too long. What has it been way too long since the last announcement which was like a month ago or way too long since xcode didn't crash every every five minutes or what what is it that we were waiting so long for i think that was just sarcasm so well there was one more thing that they talked about mm-hmm, in the mm-hmm. in the conference oh the mac mini you think that was it <laughs> it's been way too I long really that was it i think it was just so so close on the heels of the first event that 
Well, it has uh, two. And, you yeah. know, it, yeah. It's, a, it's we've been waiting for a Mac Mini with two Display Ports, and we got that. Well, we, we had sorry, we had that before, but now we're back to it again. So, I think the Mac Mini is really nice. Uh, they didn't really do much to update it, but the the price drop mm-hmm. uh, to four ninety nine is really very interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But there's no display for it, though. Obviously, other than Thunderbolt display. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we still don't know what... So you think the way too long was waiting for a 4K display or something to that effect? or? I think it was just sarcasm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really? Or yeah. Wait, or waiting for Touch ID on a Mac Mini or iPad Mini? No. No? Okay. Huh. No. Well, I'll never know. You'll never know. No, we will ever know. We'll never know. We'll never know. One of my favorite programs. In fact, I've made a lot of money you know, working on this one particular product, and I've been paying for paid for it initially and I've been paying for upgrades all along and that's BB Edit. And so I was happy when BB Edit appeared on the Mac App Store because the Mac App Store in my opinion makes it convenient for me as a user to get software and then to use it on my old on my other device. It's an easy pay through the Mac store. But they decided they announced this week that they're gonna leave the Mac App Store. Right? So does anybody have anything to add to to that? I mean I haven't heard the story. Can you explain why they decided to move out? This past weekend was the Singleton Conference in Montreal, mm-hmm. and uh, Rich Siegel, the, uh, the lead developer for BB Edit, uh, did a talk there, and his talk was essentially, uh, from what I gathered anyway, I wasn't there, unfortunately, Yeah. Uh, because it was the last Singleton ever, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm surprised uh, about that, too. We can talk about that as well. Yeah, well, anyway, uh, his talk was basically about how he's taking BB Edit off the Mac App Store for the next version, uh, which I guess will be maybe version 11, current one is 10.5, mm-hmm. uh, that it will not be available in the Mac App Store. And he went through all the reasons why it, he wasn't pulling it off, uh, listing all the problems that the Mac App Store has, mm-hmm. which uh, which we can go into. Okay. Uh, but it wasn't any one problem that drove him away. It was just the the sheer number of them and his life gets a lot easier if bb edit is not on the mac app store mm. and that's why he decided to do it and you know you can i think we should talk about the reasons but okay. uh you know we talk about things like inability to offer product trials uh the race to the bottom pricing uh the sandbox requirements um you know there are others i think but i'm not remembering them right now mm-hmm. uh these are all the things that that really harm a developer's ability to build a meaningful business with an app. Um, that people like BB Edit, who have been around for <laughs> 25 years now, something crazy like that, mm-hmm. uh, have been making a living off of this software for a very long time and have no doubt gotten very good at it. And they're used to working in a certain way. And while the Mac App Store is a super convenient way to acquire software if you're an end user, uh, for the developer, it's a giant, uh, you know, thorn in your side because it takes away the uh, ability to do business as you always have. Right. Uh, another reason was, uh, you know, you lose your relationship to your customer, right. which I think is a massive problem. Mm. Um, you know, like it's it's not like iOS where, you know, you just ship a, an app to the store and, you know, you, you kiss it goodbye. Uh, you know, these long-term independent developers... Uh, build relationships with their customers that they can take advantage of to market to them for future versions, offer upgrade pricing, uh, you know, give trials, offer support, direct support if they yeah. have any problems. Yeah. None of that's possible on the Mac App Store. 
And the worst part, of course, is Apple's silence on this, that they've, they haven't talked about it. Uh, they don't react to any of the complaints that have been coming out about it. So, yeah, I can totally see where he's coming from. And if I were bare bones, frankly, if you, if you need bare bones, sorry, BB edit, you know where to go to get it. Yeah, right? I, to be honest, I actually was surprised when they did show up on the App Store because I, I mean, I have a couple of products that I to this day still use. I, I use Interarchy for FTP. Um, oh, you're old school, man. Oh yeah, for sure. And then, and then I, well, you know what? I love the integration with Inter- Interarchy and BB Edit. I mean, what else can I say, right? Um, what else can you say? But uh, yeah, so I, I, I use that. I, you know, I, I also use CyberDuck on a few installs, and, and CyberDuck's <laughs> also gone over to to um, the Mac App Store as well. Um, but I was surprised when these old school um, companies, like, I mean, Quark Express hasn't gone to the App Store, you know, wow, Adobe hasn't really gone to the App Store, Microsoft hasn't, has, uh, well, no, no, I don't no they think haven't they gone have. there yet. So, no. I mean, like, and, and they're still, you know, they're still the old school, you know, comes in a box, you know, it's got a disc, whatever kind of stuff, right? Um, and they're still charging high, high dollars for their product. I mean, one of the first apps to go to the app store that kind of went made me sort of go huh was when final cut pro went to the mac app store and it went from twelve hundred dollars down to like three hundred you know um and you know of course they brought out a new version and and rocked about that way but like these old school apps that you know that have had this tried and true model of shipping skids of software to you know distributors and then to retailers um that was kind of how software was done and I kind of saw the Mac App Store as sort of a shareware kind of vehicle for smaller guys who were making little utilities that didn't have the the infrastructure to support that kind of stuff. But like you said, bare, bare bones. I don't know how big bare bones is as a company, but you're right. They've been around for a while. I, you know, I have I got stickers from them at MacWorld, you know, 2009 kind of thing, right? Oh, they're way older yeah. than that, bro. <laughs> no, I know. I, I, I remember they were they were even at the MacWorld in Canada that we had. We had one MacWorld in Canada eons ago, right? Um, that was in like the nineties, I think. Um, but yeah, I, so I was surprised when those kind of companies went or, or I'm surprised when those kind of companies do go to the, to the, uh, to the Mac app store. Right. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, to me, I think that, um, an independent developer like, like bare bones is, mm-hmm. should be more likely to go to the Mac app store. You know, their, their longevity is really owed to their ability to adapt to all the changes that Apple throws their way, right. you know, through new APIs like the the uh, carbon to cocoa transition, you know, mm-hmm. they weathered that one. Um, and so something like going to a, a new marketplace would be a natural choice for them. I wasn't that surprised when they did that. Mm-hmm. But um, if you look at the Mac App Store today, I mean, you're going to see uh, the top apps are from Apple, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and that just doesn't speak well to the kind of, you know, marketplace that they're building. Uh, it's just not a lot of um, of good, really good, solid apps there. Mm-hmm. You know, you can say that the best apps aren't necessarily on the Mac App Store, and that's not the way it should be. So my thoughts on BB Edit leaving the Mac App Store and, and other similar ones is, I think the Mac App Store is kind of in a weird spot because the Mac doesn't have the same kind of volume that the uh, iPhone and you know iPad has, and it doesn't have anywhere as much of the dominance in those markets. Um, you know, certainly it's very profitable, but it's five to ten percent of of what's being sold out there. And so I think the the people who are 
on the Mac and being successful as software developers are going to tend to create the kind of niche utilities that a professional or a prosumer will need, right? My, you know, my more casual friends or my parents aren't going to need a lot of the apps that uh, a, a Mac would really require. I mean, an iPad or an iPhone is a much better option for them, right? And I think the Mac App Store adds a layer of um, obstacles to doing business, as, as you guys mentioned, you know, not having a true relationship with your customer mm-hmm. and the iOS uh, or app store um, equivalent of the, the race to the bottom that doesn't do very well when you don't have huge volumes. Mm-hmm. So I, it, it's kind of a weird spot for me. I don't really know what it really buys developers so much um, as a user. I mean, I love the fact that it's, it's a lot like the traditional app store where you just click, 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 Hey, you've got everything great. I don't have to go open up uh, disk images or anything, right? It just installs and manages itself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But anyway, we're just about to wrap up. And so why don't we go around the table like we usually do and see if anybody has anything uh, new to talk about. Um, Jaime, do you have anything? I do. Okay. And wait. hit us. It's another extension. It's called Clips. So you can find it uh, in the App Store. We'll have a link there. And it's kind of nifty because it's, it's two separate extensions in one. It's... Mm-hmm both a um, extension for uh, sharing or action. I forget precisely which one it is, but the idea is you're, you could be in uh, Safari and say, oh, you know, I really want to write this awesome thing for the show notes. No problem. Hit the clips part of sharing, and it will give you options like, do you want just the text? Do you want the text plus the URL? Do you want just the URL? So it makes it pretty easy to add to your set of clips. Right. And then once it's in your clips, you can go and uh, into any app, right? It, it also has a um, third-party keyboard that it installs that you can activate. And now you can say, oh, okay, great. Let me just go ahead and paste this. And that also gives you translation options like, okay, I've decided to do text plus URL, but I really only need the URL because I'm going to put my own title. And you can just paste that. I mean, it, it's like a clipboard manager plus plus sort of thing uh, for the iPhone hmm. and, and iPad as well. Yeah, and the Today View extension is, is also kind of neat in that if you had copied something else, you could just pull down the Today View and see, oh, I had something nifty in there that I totally forgot about in my pasteboard and just add that to my clips and, mm. and just make it really nice and easy and smooth. Uh, the mm. one caveat I will have is it's not entirely clear to me um, how its interaction with something like 1Password works, right? Mm-hmm. My understanding is that 1Password puts something into your clipboard and that's how you just paste things in and this does have a iCloud syncing uh, component to it so I'm not sure if there's any you know security vulnerability there so your your mileage may vary with that hmm. okay cool uh, Aaron do you have anything to add this week um Yosemite <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah what's just that just installed it it's pretty sweet looking it took a long time to install I think we mentioned that earlier yeah. um yeah, but uh, I'm going to need some time to get used to this thing. I've, I haven't run any of the betas um, or release candidates, so this is the first time I'm actually using it on my own Mac, and this is pretty wild stuff. So that's my recommendation. If you haven't yet, go go run and install Yosemite and give it a shot. Cool. Right. So no one's seen any installation issues or problems? It just, well, it took a long time. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually, I actually uh, did a time-lapse thing just for fun of how long it took to install, 
it was on it was on about 18 minutes to go for about 18 minutes before it actually started installing anything hmm. and then it got down to you know about a minute left to go and that was good 20 minutes of a minute left to go which makes me wonder like are we do we really have faith in apple building a watch for us <laughs> and then um and then it then it did a, I, I don't know about your mac are you on a laptop or on a desktop uh, aaron yeah, I got a MacBook Pro. Okay, well, I'm I'm on the Mac Air, and it must have done like two or three different, um, uh, what do you call those? Um, restarts. Yeah, no, no, I don't mean restarts, but you know the what's the progress bar. Eproms, eprom updates. Yeah, and, yeah, where it restarts and it uh, and it does like that black progress. But it did bar. like three times for me, right? So, yeah, yeah, same here. Yeah, so it must have been updating the the various uh, things on the device. As well as as well as I think that when you reboot it now, and I've, I've rebooted it once, is I think the progress bar on startup is back again. You know, weird. Uh, yeah. Weird. I I would restart now to check, but I'm recording a podcast. No, you can't. Don't do that. Don't do that. Um, just one more thing. Actually, uh, there is one more thing. Um, Jaime, you were at uh, CocoConf today, weren't you, in Seattle? I was, in fact. Today yeah. was the uh, pre-conference workshops, and I happened to attend the. Swift kickstart because even though I've played a bit with Swift and I've looked a little bit at the docs and other things, I hadn't really set a time, had time to really dedicate myself to it. And this was done or presented by Daniel Steinberg. You probably know him because he's done a few books on iOS, including the class uh, textbook for um, the Stanford University course. Right, right. Mm -hmm. And it was a very, very excellent one. It really covered a lot of the the things you need to watch out for, the things that. Uh, can trip you up with regards to thinking about it in an objective C way instead of as right. a swift way, mm -hmm. uh, even nitty gritty things like, Oh, by the way, between Xcode 6.0.1 and Xcode 6.1, things have changed a little bit. This won't actually compile anymore. Here's what you need to do to fix that. <laughs> Here's what the compiler is lying to you about. Cool. I actually had something. I, I downloaded an app this week and I actually, I, and I fell victim to a Twitter, um, sponsored, um, link or tweet or whatever you call it but i saw an app on there called iDraw, and i just i had to look at it and what it is is a vector drawing app for the ipad right so um and they give examples of how to draw like you know uh you can do some sort of kind of stuff you would do in adobe illustrator uh kind of drawings you can do floor plans and that kind of stuff but you know for doing icons and various things various art assets that you might need for for your apps um, doing them in vectors is good because then you can scale them out to different sizes. So it's kind of interesting to see that. Um, so I just started playing around with it a bit, but it's, but I'm really excited to have a vector-based, you know, Bezier-type tool on my on the iPad for drawing and coloring. Okay, so um, I guess that's about it for the week. So Aaron, where can people find you? Usual spots at Aaron Vay on Twitter and at my blog Aaron.Vay.ca. Okay, and uh, Jaime, where can people find you? At Dev of the Hair and devofthehair.com. And Mark, where can people find you? Mark R at smapsoft.com or www.smapsoft.com. Okay. My name is Tim Mitra, and I am... Uh, what the hell am I? <laughs> <laughs> at All IT Guy Technologies. I am, I am Tim Mitra, and I'm, I'm here at IT Guy Technologies in Toronto. And uh, I'm t on Twitter at, at T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A. Um, just a bit of a housekeeping note. We've started a new uh, website for More Than Just Code podcast, mtjc.fm. And we also have a Twitter account where you can send us notes if you want to uh, collectively. Um, and that's at mtjc underscore podcast 
on Twitter. And we've also I've also changed the uh, the the call sign on the iTunes Store so that you can actually now search for more than just Code Podcast. And what else? Uh, we started a campaign on on Patreon. So if you love us and you think we're great and stuff like that, you can you know share your love with us by giving us a dollar or fifty cents or whatever you feel like, and that goes towards you know helping us buy equipment and you know, pay for our time to edit the show and that kind of stuff. Um, and maybe we'll have t-shirts at some point in the future for our four listeners. Wow. Um, yeah. Hey, what so, are you guys doing? <laughs> <laughs> we expanded. We got four listeners now instead of three. So, um, and thanks for the reviews on, on, uh, iTunes store. I noticed there's a few reviews on the Canadian store and we're still looking for some on the American store, but we've got, we've got some, uh, we're starting to get, uh, we've got lots of five star rating, which is great. So if you, if you love the show, feel free to, you know, Make a note on the uh, on the iTunes Store, and also you can visit the website, um, and we'll have show notes there. And uh, you can also leave comments or questions for all of us there, and we'll we'll get back to you. So once again, we'll say goodbye for another week, and we'll see you next week. Everybody, say goodbye. See ya. Bye. Goodbye. Bye. If you want to find out more about the show, you can visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fm. There you can find show notes and a summary of each episode. We list links to items that we talk about and links to the apps on the App Store. If you like the podcast, please leave us a comment on the website, and if you can, please write a review on iTunes. It really helps others find out about the show. You can also retweet our tweets about the show. Once again, our the podcast Twitter account is at mtjc underscore podcast. And uh, that's it. Thanks a lot. Sorry, Aaron, I'm just in the middle of tweeting something to roast them. Oh, okay, yeah, sure. Go ahead and tweet. Like, like you're not podcasting at all. <laughs> well, he's reaching out to me about the one password thing, but I got to tell him it's fixed already. So, anyway. I'm also uh, breaking news. I'm getting word that iTunes Radio is now available in Canada. No way. I just got a just looking at a tweet. You know, while you're tweeting, really? um, I'm reading tweets. I'm not typing them, but uh, yeah, I'm cracking open iTunes right now to see if I can confirm this. That would be. Well, nobody would care anymore, right? It's too late. <laughs> <laughs> I think how, how that's you, cool. How do you get the iTunes Radio? You go. You go. Well, are you on your? You're you updated Yosemite, I'm a, right? I'm on Yosemite, baby. I'm I'm running the latest. Yeah. So you either go to iTunes or you go to uh, the music app on your iPad or iPhone thing. Right, I'm going over iTunes, iTunes right now myself. Hang on. Oh, right. the radio! Woohoo! You see that? Okay. Sorry, CBC. iTunes Radio is here. Yeah, it's just, uh, hang on. I'm going to put my Apple ID in here. My tab bar on the music app literally just changed in my hand, but I'm not seeing it. So you're seeing iTunes Radio now. Are you in iTunes? Yeah, did you get the iTunes 12 update? Yeah. Uh, well, whatever one comes It says up. my, I'm looking at the app, yeah. it says my music playlist match radio iTunes store. Yeah, I'm not seeing radio. They don't love me. Okay. It hasn't got well, to Whit- it hasn't got to Whitby yet apparently. Yeah, well, Toronto is closer to the servers, I guess. I, uh, anyway, very exciting. Hmm. <laughs> very, okay, we interrupt this podcast to bring you breaking news. No, 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 no. Sorry, I had a little dancing queen there. I hit the space bar while I had <laughs> iTunes open. It's the very first track. I dancing know, I queen. Yeah, I know. Eh? Isn't that wild? Yeah, I guess. Alphabetical by band. I, 
Yeah, Abba. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do we have anything else to discuss here? Oh, it says my. <laughs> oh, you know what? I'm I'm in the American store. What the hell is going on? What the hell switching is going me, on? It's switching me over to the. Uh, you, or, oh, you know what? It, it just disappeared. It was in. It was. It was. I was in the American iTunes store. Oh, I wish oh, you tried it. Then. So, well, no, I was you, trying to log in. And, and yeah, so apparently it's not available in Canada yet. That was sorry. Breaking news: It's no longer available in Canada. Just, just cut this whole thing out. <laughs> <laughs> this will go. This will go into the the Marvel thing at the end that people have to listen for. Oh my goodness! But can can you cut short the the closing credit music? Oh, you don't like that? It's like forty five seconds long. Oh, I'm, okay. like, I'm aging here. Really? Do do a brief version. Brief, brief. Sigh. Just a little one, like a little wookie wookie. I, I don't mind the music. Sigh. Sigh. 